electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, streaking stocks, the S&P going for its seventh straight up day, the Nasdaq topping 14,000 for the first time ever, and why some say your money's about to get another boost. We debate the markets with our investment committee today. Joining me for the hour, Stephanie Link, Josh Brown, John Najarian, and Jason Snipe is principal of Odyssey Capital Advisors. Let's go to the wall, check the markets. Tech trade is very much alive and well. There is the Nasdaq still above 14,000 today. Modest losses for the Dow and the S&P. Russell's still positive. Josh, you know, you look at the state of stocks. That's where we begin. S&P's going for seven days in a row. You've got the Nasdaq above 14. So tech's working again. You've got good vaccine news. You've got stimulus progressing. You've got rates down. It's kind of hard to build a negative case for stocks, isn't it? It's not hard if you're trying to. And we have this really interesting combination of things happening right now, which is new highs for virtually every sector uh, and new highs for geographic regions all over the world. Japan, for example, making a uh, breakout of a 29-year base. Um, So while you've got all these new highs and all of these different segments of the uh, market cooperating and participating, you also have a huge boom in people being angry. So that's kind of weird, I guess. Uh, But that's what's happening right now uh, uh, on the street and off the street, um, financial, social media. There's just a lot of people that have a lot invested in this not happening. So, but it is. And the run in the Russell 2000, Judge, is really off the charts. We're up 16% in U.S. small caps year to date. What the hell is going on? It's February 9th, and that's quadruple the return in the S&P. I'm looking at you, Amazon, going sideways since July, right? So you have a lot of big stocks that we thought were the horsemen getting it done, not getting it done. And then you've got this secondary and tertiary tier of names. Look at Twitter. This is a red-hot stock right now. This is the stock of the moment. Everything they've done since kicking Trump off, the street loves it. They're talking about subscription revenue. They should have done this five years ago, but whatever. Stock's above 60 for the first time since it came public in, in, uh, in, in 13 or 14. And then you look at, last thing, really quick, XBI. Small, mid, and large biotechs up 24% year-to-date in that equal weight index, which means you have biotechs that are up 50 and 60% um, just since the year started. It's remarkable. Throw in the banks, regionals, KRE making a 52-week high. To your point, what are you looking at? If you're bearish right now, like literally, what are you looking at? I don't understand. Yeah, Steph, uh, you know, Josh paints a nice canvas for you to to work off of here. What do you think about the points that he made? You know, amid commentary on the street today that the pendulum swings both ways. You know, one day it's we're going to the moon. The next day it's, well, a, a, a correction is getting more likely or it's already here. We're trying to build a negative short term case because stocks are, you know, overextended. 
That's the bulk of the negative case amid a backdrop that's so positive. You don't want to be negative, not with the liquidity that we continue to talk about. And we've been talking about this, Scott, since March of last year. Massive, massive amounts of liquidity. M2 is up 26% year over year. That's unprecedented. And we're going to get more. And it looks like the $1.9 trillion package uh, from the Biden administration, it looks like that number might come in at that number instead of a watered-down version. So you're talking about massive liquidity. You do not want to fight that. You add on low interest rates. You add on progress on the vaccines and people getting them. And you're going to see better GDP. And you're going to see better earnings. And we've been talking about this. This is why I lean more cyclical versus growth, but I do own a combination of both. But back to GDP, we've been seeing pockets of the economy doing quite well. We've talked about housing. We've talked about auto. We've talked about manufacturing. Last week, the ISMs, manufacturing and services, both beat and new orders were quite strong. Customer inventories are depleted and the factory orders numbers came in great. Jolts today was very much better than expected. And most importantly, the consumer is poised to spend eventually. I don't know the timing of that, but they have 14% in savings. And typically, on average, it's only 5%. That's a trillion dollars in pent-up potential spending that's coming down the pike, and it will come down the pike. It's just a matter of timing. And one last thing, $4.3 trillion sits in money markets. The average, $2.8 trillion. So there is still money on the sidelines. And this is a very favorable liquidity backdrop. That's right. Well, I, I want mean, to be long. Jason, it's like, where else are you going to put your money? I mean, it, it, it inevitably comes back down to that as much as people sort of scoff at that uh, thought. Really? Where else are you going to put your money other than in U.S. stocks? Absolutely. So I agree with, with all the points I already mentioned. And for me, you know, the liquidity theme is just such an important theme. I mean, we had $900 billion uh, pass in December. We have another $1.9 trillion hanging in the balance, which surely will probably happen over the next couple of weeks. Uh, interest rates low, uh, vaccine uh, progress, yes. And, and, and also, when I look at the, the, uh, the tenure and the movement there and, and the third year flirting with 2%, you know, market sentiment is very strong here. So, yes, I think you have to be in stocks. I, I, I don't know what the bear case is. But, uh, yeah, you have you have to be here. for now. I mean, you know, I, I look at a headline of a few moments ago that Pfizer saying it's going to deliver 50 million more vaccines this quarter than originally promised. So that's a positive thing, Doc. You know, you have been steadfast, though, in looking for a correction for the last several weeks. Are you wondering whether it's not yeah. going to happen or if, if it did happen already and it's already over, like Mike Wilson throwing in the towel yesterday? Well, um, Scott, we did have two 600-point declines, at least two, maybe three, within the last six weeks. So I was able to uh, get out of stock in many of those cases and then on those dips buy in with the options that you and I talk about, how you can control your risk when you do that. So I'm not rooting against the market by any means. And uh, as far as to your trade about you know technology and things like that, the stock that you and I talked about last week, Teradata. This is hybrid cloud um, analytics software. And that stock doubled in a week, Scott. I talked about it on this air last week. And in less than that week, in just three days, the stock has doubled. It was a $3 billion stock back then. 
it was 26 or 27 bucks, I think, Scott. Yeah. Now it's $56. I mean, you know, there are plenty of areas where you can get a lot of outperformance out of this market beyond the fangs. And that's what you asked us to find and talk about last week. That's one of the names. There are a host of others, but one of the key components here is the cloud still. You know, it's not just Azure over at Microsoft or AWS um, or any of the Google cloud services. It is also people that do analytics of that and analytics of data. Look at Palantir. So those are some of the names that I'm really focused on right now, Scott. Well, as far as uh, the market in ge- Go ahead, sorry. No, I was going to say you should be, right? I mean, I'm looking at it right now. It's at the top of my mm-hmm. list on software names. Teradata is up 111% month to date. Um, and there are a lot of other cloud-related <laughs> yeah. stocks that are up a in lot. less than a week. Yeah, maybe not like that much, but, you know, Cloudflare's up 22%, mm-hmm. new all-time high today. Workday's up almost 20 Cloudera's up almost 20 Coupa, Datadog's up almost 15 Zoom's had a nice run. Datadog, by the way, is a new high. Jason Snipe, you bought more Twilio today. That's had a nice little move of its own. You bought some more Alphabet. Tell us. Yeah, I did. So Twilio, I really like how they've streamlined the virtual interaction between the customer and and the business. So top line revenue growth expectations of 30% year over year for the next four years. Um, just, just really like that software as a service uh, theme. And then Google for us, I mean, advertising, they had really blowout earnings, you know, 20, 22% ad revenue growth there. Uh, search, uh, big data, I just think... Um, you know, Google's a nice place to be, trading at 35 times earnings. So compared to the other FANG names, we just thought it was a nice entry point to continue for Twil- upside here. Yeah, I mean, tw- Twilio, not to be, you know, uh, it's up uh, 13% in, uh, in just one month. The stock gets upgraded today, Jason, by J.P. Morgan. $465 is the price target. So it's a few bucks above 400 now. They see it going to 465 and they list five or six uh, tailwinds behind uh, that, that stock. So even though stocks have run a lot and some of the cloud software names, these enterprise names have run a lot and it makes some people say, well, it's got to stop sometime. Maybe they're ahead of themselves by some measure. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Jason. Yeah. So I, I, I think absolutely. I agree with all those all the points there. You know, I think there's tremendous upside. And again, only one of the five. Uh, you know, if I think about the, uh, you know, their penetration in the large addressable market um, that Twilio plays in, I think there's just tremendous upside there, you know, and, and yes, it's run a lot, you know, in some of these software names, I don't put in that same camp with Twilio, but I do think there's continued upside from here. You know, Josh, you, you bought more Uber, you bought more Live Nation, very much reopened plays that you've been talking about. You have things that are working all over the place, whether it's the financials, whether it's energy. Tech has woken uh, from its slumber. You've got reopening plays that are working. And again, these vaccine headlines that I bring you, the, the likes of you know, Pfizer delivering more than expected this quarter is only going to be a boon for stocks like that. Let me tell you something, player. I've spent my entire career being a believer in capitalism American exceptionalism, business being the solution to most problems, ingenuity, uh, science. I was never in doubt that we would have a reopening, but I don't have any medical training to be able to say like, oh, it's going to be the summer of 21, 
right? Like, I couldn't have told you that last year. What do I, I could have told you. You would have said, well, who the hell are you, right? Um, but so I, I invested as though there would be a tomorrow. I have no choice. I have an 11-year-old and a, and a 14-year-old. I have to believe that there's a future. So making the, look, I bought Simon Properties. They told me it was going bankrupt. All right, I'll take that risk that it's not. I think I bought that in the 60s. Um, I'm, in, uh, I'm added to Shaq. The, the stock's up 200-something percent. So I always was investing. And even recently, bought Live Nation for the first time, added to it uh, a week later. Added to Uber as an average up. I'm up substantially in Uber. I'm buying on the way up. I'm hot right now. I'm like, I'm like Nick Jonas. I'm nice with all the reopened <laughs> stocks. And then my tech names, I didn't throw them out just because we're going to reopen. So I wasn't like, oh, let me get rid of Zoom. Let me get rid of um, Alphabet and Amazon because we're reopening. That's, uh, that's not the way I'm in this thing. So uh, I'm long. I own stocks right now, relatively recent purchases that I think have the most to benefit from the reopen of the economy. And I think this summer we're going to go off. Like, I think people are going to be going nuts in the cities this summer. We're approaching, maybe not herd immunity, but at least among young people, we're approaching this area where almost everybody has the disease or is vaccinated. And I think these stocks have a lot of upside left, and I want to be in them for when that happens. And I'm not saying that they're all cheap. I know they've gone up a lot. I don't think um, that people are bullish enough about what the second half of 21. Stephanie made a really great point. And I'll add to that, M2 money supply is up 26% year over year. That comes from Brian Westbury at First Trust. Think about that. The average since the 1970s growth of M2 money supply, that's money in circulation, not money sitting like a dead body on a bank balance sheet. The average is 6% a year. I just told you it's 26% a year. There's too much money all over the place. And when Stephanie says that consumer spending is coming down the pike, I think she's dead right. And I think that money will be spent back on travel, experiences, leisure. I want to be in those names. So on that point, Steph, Bernstein says to expect more inflows into equities overall. Quote, inflows are running at a pace that is at the upper end of the 30-year range. And we think that on balance, more inflows are going to come. So maybe valuation just doesn't matter. It's sort of the overall point we're talking about. The question is, where is that money going to go? You have a relatively newish position in IBM. You've got some tech plays, Broadcom, NXP, Lam Research, Fortinet. What's your big theme? Where are you looking in the market? Well, I mean, I still do like technology, and I have like a cyclical bent in technology, and you know I have a cyclical bent in my portfolio. So I am overweight technology, industrials, financials, materials. I don't want to give up on secular growth completely, so I still do have a very big position in Alphabet. But in terms of where I'm adding to, yeah, no, I'm adding on the cyclical side. LAM research is all about DRAM recovery. Uh, Broadcom is all about 5G and data center, and that's got to be the best management in the semiconductor space, in my opinion. NXPI, it's all about auto uh, and payments, believe it or not. IBM is, is pretty new. I bought it a couple of weeks ago. It's on the new CEO, and he's focusing on AI, data analytics, cloud, all the things you want them to be focusing on. And I think the culture is actually changing there. The Red Hat CEO, who's now uh, the president of IBM, he's a, he's a trooper. He's brilliant. So I love that he's there as well. And, of course, I own Fortinet because I think cybersecurity is here to stay, obviously, right? We've seen all the attacks. This company trades at a 10% discount to its peers, and they're changing their product. 
product set to uh, be able to get more enterprise business. And I think that that is underappreciated. So I, I really do like p- pockets of tech. But again, you know, I have all these other sectors where I'm overweight because I believe what I said at the beginning, GDP is going to be better than expected. And we've actually been seeing a lot of the strategists and economists in the last couple of weeks revise up five, six, seven percent in GDP for this year. And I still think people don't necessarily believe that. So your IBM move raises an interesting question, I think, as to whether some of the money that is still on the sidelines or in other areas like money markets, as you said, Steph, goes into some of these big Dow laggards. By laggards, I mean ones that are still significantly trailing their all-time highs, like an IBM, which is still 22% below their highs, which you're adding to. Chevron's still down 20%, even though that's caught a bid with oil moving up. Salesforce, Jason Snipe, is down 16% from its high, which you own. Is that a place that some money's going to go? Boeing, IBM, Chevron, Coca-Cola, Salesforce, Merck, Amgen, Intel, P&G, Verizon, United Health, Walgreens. All of those stocks, with the exception of Walgreens, which just misses on the thing that I'm trying to talk about, uh, double digits at least below their highs. Well, if you want me to go first, I mean, I, you know I own Boeing. It's one of my largest industrial positions. It's all about free cash flow improvement as they get the 737 max out the door. Liquidity of $25 billion, still very, very strong. And so I think, and actually new orders just came out for January that were better than expected. So that's going to be a work in progress story for sure. But I do like that very much. I mentioned IBM before. I'm going to continue to buy on weakness there. Chevron I added to as well because they, even though the quarter was kind of messy, free cash flow is much better than expected. And I think they're going to announce a $2 billion buyback program for next year. And then Coke is really a reopen name because 50% of their sales is on-prem. So that one is, and it acts terribly, right, the stock price. So I like that management team and I like their product set. And so I hope that that's where where investors are going. But this is where I see real value in the marketplace. And these are the names I'd be adding to on Plex. Are are these the next names to watch, Jason? I said you own Salesforce, which is 16% below its high. You also own P&G, which is 12.5% half percent below its high. Yeah, I really I I continue to like Salesforce. I think big data is a very important theme going into this hybrid economy. You know, the acquisition of Slack, I think, was is immediately accretive. I know they're still trading at a premium, you know, but I but I still like the name. P&G is a little bit of a different story. I think that's a hold for me. You know, that was a dividend player. You know, I look at how they've been levered to the Far East, you know, over 60 percent of their business done overseas, you know, the dollar has increased some, but it's still generally weak, um, you know, but but I but I see the, the kind of the product growth over overseas. So it, it's still a hold for me. Yeah. You know, I mentioned what's happening in energy and, and financials, that the bid that those stocks have gotten. And it's been significant over the last three months. The financials are up 15 percent. The XLE energy is up 32 percent in terms of looking for areas to make money. Um, John Najarian, are you a believer that financials and energy stocks can continue to work, even though they've had such significant gains in what is a relatively short period of time? Well, um, you know, for months, Scott, we've been talking about the roaring 20s uh, and roaring 21s and certainly the reopening plays. That really is a significant driver, given how much cutbacks we've had in crude oil production. And that's why we've seen energy prices spike in that area. That's also, of course, good for a lot of the green energy plays because they become more competitive at those higher prices for crude oil. Um, And I think overall, Scott, when you're watching these stocks right now, um, bank stocks 
are really going to be only limited by if that upper end of the band that we've talked about, that 2 versus 10 spread, if that keeps getting steeper, the banks keep working. If we back off after getting up there back to that 120-ish level, um, if we back off from there, then I think the, those banks take a pause. But I don't see that pause coming at all uh, for those energy plays that you and I just discussed because, you know, quite frankly, reopening means demand, and demand is what's going to drive that with a smaller amount of supply out there. Um, even when they turn the supply back on, it's not like a light switch. It takes a while, even with uh, some of the wells that are semi-capped or not completed on the in the Permian and so forth. So I think Jeff. energy works for longer, and I think banks maybe could hit a, a little bit of a peak if we turn back on that 10-year. Jason Snipe, you bought hey, the van. Hey, Judge. Yeah, hold on. Okay, Josh, go ahead real quick, and then Jason, I'll get to you with the buy. Just real quick, on that point, on that point about the spread, in my opinion, this is the single most important thing happening right now. We know that the Fed is not inclined to do anything on overnight rates until probably the first quarter of 2022, almost by their own admission. We also know the threshold for them to decide that inflation is a threat is like a higher bar than maybe it's ever been in history. They're like talking about income inequality as part of that discussion. So if we know that and we continue to see that 10-year rise, just pull up a chart of Berkshire Hathaway. This is important. This stock is breaking a multi-top peak that dates back to early 2018. Uh, It's not an almost breakout. It's a breakout in progress. Think about companies sitting with massive war chests in cash, with insurance subsidiaries, that have more money coming in than they know what to do with and no way to earn money in a risk-free way that all of a sudden now they are going to be earning money. So I want to look at asset managers, insurers, broker-dealers, and Berkshire Hathaway could be the next mega-cap breakout. This stock has done nothing in a very long time, both in absolute terms and relative to the market. Massive market cap, huge implications if this thing gets on its horse for the rest of the quote-unquote value um, cyclical trade. So I, I think John correctly highlights that spread, and I think all eyes are glued on it right now. Yeah, well, we're watching uh, Berkshire. Right, do, the, do the other thing you were going to do. Well, yeah, I was going to come to you for, for Berkshire after I went to Jason because he's keenly focused, too, on the 210 spread that you were talking about. But nonetheless, it still works this way anyway, Jason, with your buy of the Vanguard Financials, the VHF, and very much 210 is what you're looking at. Absolutely. So when I think about, as just previously mentioned, the, the spread between the 2 and 10 is the widest it's been since 2017. And I mentioned earlier at the top of the show, you know, the 30-year flirting with So we've owned the KRE early. We started that. We bought that in December. But VFH is, you know, kind of giving us broad-based exposure to the larger banks um, and kind of following this spread very closely. I think there's upside, and I think it will continue to moderately grow throughout this year. So I know it's run a lot since November. But I do think there's continued opportunity. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these stocks have. That's just the way it is, including Steph Wells Fargo, which is up 38 percent over the last three months. Yeah, and it's still pretty cheap at 0.8 times book value. I think it's a, you know, it's a recovery play. Uh, it's a restructuring play. 
Um, it's going to take time, but I still like it very much. I think they kitchen synced the quarter, last quarter, last, actually the last two quarters. But I think they're in a good position to build off of, you know, the, the momentum that they're starting to see. Um, I like the fact that they have all new executive leadership. And that's going to just take time to synergize. But I like that very much. They needed it, quite frankly. But that's why it's cheap. Uh, and uh, so we'll, we now have to get the asset cap lifted. I don't know when that's going to be, but that's going to be a huge day for the stock. That I know. And I just don't know when, but I want to play for that for sure. Yeah. John, give me something on the financials. What, where you currently sit, what you're looking to do. Well, uh, you know I'm a big fan of uh, the financials that also have exposure to transactions and, in particular, Bitcoin, Scott. So PayPal uh, with Venmo and uh, Square with their Cash App, those are the two that I would focus on most heavily. Of course, you love J.P. Morgan, KeyBank, Capital One. You know, there's a host of them, Wells Fargo, that I own as well. But those that have that additional exposure, Scott, that's like that octane that causes those to go higher faster than those other names. Look, part of our point here, too, in, in you know, as again, one day you get a slew of notes that tell you the correction's over, that the market's just going to go nicely up from here. Right. You got some four thousand calls. And then today you have a bunch of notes that say, well, a correction's coming. What I hear from everybody before we get to some specific moves from you, Steph, before we take a break is that even if you do get another pullback of, of you know, whatever magnitude, Josh, it's going to be bought. It's going to be snapped up, and it's going to be snapped up hard because, A, there's too much money on the sideline, and, B, the story is too good to try and go against. So even if you you know, think a, a, a correction's coming, you're hoping that it might so you can buy more. Dude, U.S. households saved 2.9 uh, uh, $2.9 trillion last year, okay? Like, <laughs> this doesn't happen. It's not normal. We had a recession that led to almost $3 trillion in new household savings. It's bananas what's going on here. Saying so, you know, a lot of people have all their, like, playbooks from past recessions. Do yourself a favor. Literally line a birdcage with that, okay? This is unprecedented, but we know human nature. We understand fear and greed. We understand uh, cost of capital and the fact that people have to earn a return on something and not just people, every pool of assets in the world. Um, and just let that, let the very obvious backdrop be the backdrop. So I think the biggest risk is some kind of like wild mutation that nobody's thinking of that kills faster. That'll spook the market. Or somebody from the Fed saying something in front of an open mic that they shouldn't, right? And they've been pretty disciplined since the Powell era began. Yeah, we don't yeah. have 12 of these people running around making speeches. But those are your risks. Understand them going in and, uh, and, and play ball. I mean, you had a forced recession, basically, and you met it with a gigantic bazooka, uh, if Bigger than ever. Several. Right. So let's do this. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. I mentioned Steph has some interesting moves that we need to talk about. We'll do that after the break. And we do have some big analyst calls of the day, including this one. It's a restaurant stock. It surged over 70 percent in a year. It's our mystery chart. The reveal's coming up next. And a reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. We're back after this. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. 
To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. I'm Contessa Brewer. Here's your CNBC News update this hour. A new study finds people with dementia are twice as likely to get COVID-19 and more than three times likely to die after getting it. Researchers looked at medical records from more than 61 million Americans. The town of Palm Beach, Florida, is considering whether former President Donald Trump can continue living at his Mar-a-Lago club later today. Council members will hear from the town's attorney on a 1993 agreement that some say bars him from living at the club. In Myanmar's second biggest city, hundreds of protesters are taking to the streets despite the bans on gatherings. Police used water cannons to disperse those demonstrators. And Nielsen says 92 million people watched the Super Bowl on TV. That's the fewest in 15 years. However, CBS says it was also the most live-streamed Super Bowl in history, which brought total viewership above 96 million people. It's still a drop from last year. A little enthusiasm lag there, Scott. A blowout is always tough, though, right? I mean, it just is. Yeah. All right. Contessa, thanks. Contessa Brewer. All right, Steph, let's go through it here. You bought Match Group. You sold Costco. Take me through that trade. Yeah, I mean, Costco is just it's just profit taking at 35 times earnings. It's almost like why I sold Nike, because it was trading trading at 45 times earnings. These are quality companies. They're compounders. There's nothing wrong with them. But I needed the money to buy Match Group because I think there's a lot more upside to Match Group. Uh, I like the online dating business. The, uh, the, the market is a $3 billion market right now, growing to about $4.5 billion in the next three years. Penetration is only 4%, going to 6 7% in the next three to four years. And these guys are the leader in the industry. This was the spin-out from IAC. I like spins a lot. They tend to work very, very well. Uh, and so this, and it's also a reopen play to the extent people want to go out and meet, actually meet people. But I hear you. I, I mean, I think that's valid. But why has the stock barely done anything in anticipating the reopen that you say this plays right into? Well, see, but that's where I think the opportunity is, right? I mean, it was down 7% on a, good, on a solid quarter, um, and I just think it's misunderstood. I don't think people are, have paid much attention to it. They all, many people own the IAC piece, uh, but now that it's spun out from them, I like this piece. I think that they're going to be such a better-run company. I love this management this, team. This, they're very aggressive. And this kind of falls also into, you know, we talk about barbell or kind of being balanced in my portfolio. Um, this is on the growth side. This is not a cheap stock by any means, but that's why I'm looking at kind of the total addressable market story and the penetration rates. And I think they're going to be able to gain market share again as we reopen. So we'll have to wait and see, but I, I really like it a lot. Okay. Josh? 
Yeah, I would just say I don't know that Match Group has, has done nothing. Well, the stock done, was I'm not a saying thirteen nothing, billion dollar market cap. But year to okay. date, right? It's, year to it's date, worth, it's done just a you know, it hasn't done all that much. It obviously has had a nice little move over the year last to date, three months. But it's Yeah, it was seven billion uh <laughs> in twenty nineteen market cap. It's forty two. So it's gone up sixfold. And part of the reason this stock has been a slow slow to catch on is because it was most majority owned by IAC, and they didn't complete that yeah. spin until last summer, I think. But this is stock is going to work, yep. Stephanie, for a reason you didn't mention, which is the Bumble IPO. Bumble is going to be one of the hottest deals of the month. Um, Goldman Sachs is bringing that out any day now. It's got um, a founder who is the CEO, which the street likes when a tech founder is the CEO. She w- she's 31. She will be the youngest female CEO ever to bring a company public. And Bumble is going to be hot. I think it's going to... It's going to be priced at like 35, probably open at, I don't know, 60, 70, based on what we've seen recently. So I think Match will get a lot of attention because Match is actually bigger and has more customers and has more breadth of different services. So I think Steph's going to win here. Okay. Well, that stock's moving higher. Let's get to our fingers health. Fingers crossed. Solid. I'm sorry? I'm sorry? <laughs> I, said finger, I said fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get to Rahel Solomon. She has some calls of the day for us today. Hi, Rahel. Hi, Scott. Yes, so Goldman Sachs is adding Constellation Brands to its conviction buy list with a $275 price target. So this is in part due to momentum with the Modelo brand. The note also saying that it expects Constellation Brands to more than double the volume of Corona hard seltzer shipments this year. And if you want a burrito to perhaps go with that Corona, well, Chipotle is being upgraded to buy at North Coast. Price target is $1,827 a share. So analysts, Scott, really like the company's growth and menu innovation and new store designs, which will improve margins. Ford getting an upgraded Argus with a $14 price target. So this is largely on an expectation of increased consumer spend. We should say that this is a stock that's among the top gainers in the S&P, along with GM, of course, up more than 30% year to date. It's been a good few months. And Chad goes to outperform at Raymond James. Price target here, Scott, is $120 a share. This is as the firm sees it continuing to benefit from virtual learning, even in a post-COVID world. Certainly has a nice ring to it, right? Post-COVID. Hopefully we get there yeah, sooner. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, Rahel, thank you. you. Yeah, Rahel Solomon with our calls of the day. Doc, uh, I'm going to go to you uh, because you have some action in Ford. You own calls, and it was part of your unusual activity. Yeah, just a week ago, Scott. Um, and then back in, Pete had um, more unusual activity. Pete always sort of has unusual activity, <laughs> but nonetheless, yeah, Ford doing a lot of things right. It was that um, uh, move to the upside out of GM and Ford just over a week or 10 days ago that really triggered that unusual activity, Scott. And I, I like what Rahel had to say about uh, uh, many of the stocks uh, like Canopy Growth, which is the driver, I think, the significant driver over there at Constellation Brands, Scott, because just look at these uh, cannabis stocks since the election, 400 percent, 600 percent, those kinds of performances. That's what you've got out of the competitors to Canopy Growth. And now you've got Canopy Growth, of course, part of uh, uh, Constellation Brands. And I think that provides that real boom to the upside in that one. Yeah. Steph, you're a prior owner of Constellation. Would you own it again here? Again, the conviction buy list over at Goldman Target goes to 275, as Rahel told us. 
I mean, I like the idea. I think that there's a lot of ways that they can win, especially with Modelo distribution and, and the capacity increases um, in their hard self-serve business. Um, but here's the thing. It's 24 times earnings. And, and they're trying to make a case that, OK, but growth is going to accelerate this year. You're going to go from four and a half percent top line growth to seven and a half times uh, seven and a half percent top line growth. For 24 times earnings, that's exactly why I'm underweight staples. That's one of the reasons, as I just mentioned, I sold Costco. And I really do think there's only a couple of special situations that I want to be involved in, in staples, Coke being my biggest position, actually. Gotcha. All right, thank you for that. For more on today's biggest analyst calls, check out the write-up on CNBC Pro. You can go to cnbc.com slash pro for that. Stay with us. John has unusual activity coming up. Plus, in celebration of Black History Month, we're honoring some of our CNBC contributors. Here is Bonawin Eisen with his advice for the next generation. The next generation of leaders, business leaders, politicians, etc., are on the other side of the camera. They're not sitting here. They're not me. They're not my peers. I want you all to adopt a mindset that you have limitless possibilities. And while I understand that you may not have all the luxuries at your disposal, opportunity met with tireless effort will lead to results. And I look forward to watching the next generation imparting their knowledge on you. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, let's do unusual activity. Dr. J, what you got? We got Cliffs, Scott. Um, Cliffs did a secondary, and the stock was hit, pushed lower. Um, and this is one of those uh, reopening and infrastructure plays. Hopefully, Scott, crossing my fingers, we get an infrastructure bill after this $1.9 trillion stimulus bill. Anyway, Cleveland Cliffs uh, used to be called. They're buying the April 18 calls with the stock at about $16, Scott. I bought the 16s, sold those higher strike calls. Since it's April, I'll probably be in it about two months. Second one, Riot Blockchain. Yeah, I know. But nonetheless, Riot does do a lot of mining. They actually win a lot of those uh, basically competitions. And because of that and the big hoard they have of Bitcoin, this one has been zooming right along with Bitcoin. This one is February 19th expiration calls. They're buying those calls with the stock at about 33.91. They were buying the 40s, Scott. Now, this one can move it's that much in a now. day. It's at but 40 I bought right the now. lower strike. Yeah. It's at 40 oh, bucks right. as we're talking well, about it. What, when we saw it, Scott, it was 33.90. So that gives you an idea that people are just in here buying, buying, buying these calls. I imagine that Pete and the team are probably in there looking at, okay, what do we roll up to now yeah. if we've already made such a big move in this short amount of time? Yeah, they, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Doc, thank you. Ask Halftime's coming up next. You can send your questions you. by video. We will play them on the air. Email us, askhalftime at cnbc.com. We'll be right back. All right, let's answer some of your questions now. Josh, I'm going to go to you first. I have two on Verizon, so that's yours. And I'm going to give you the one from Ryan Anthony, who says, quote, Hi, Verizon stock price is the same it was one year ago. 
Oh, Josh is frozen. All right, I'll come back. I'll come back to Josh. I'll, I'll get that one. I, I promise. Doc, canopy growth. Alex in Toronto, ride the stock or sell? Ride it, Scott. Um, I, I mean, there's plenty you could do with hedging and so forth. And you and I just spoke about Constellation Brands and their very significant stake here. I like this one. I like Tilray. I like Afria, and of course our cannabis ETF THCX. But I think all of them continue to work. Arizona and New Jersey, that can't be overstated enough, Scott, that that is a very significant move. Wait till New York approves it and these go even higher. Okay, we don't have Josh yet, right, guys? Okay, we'll hopefully get to that. Jason, I'm coming to you, Craig, in Clearwater, Florida. When we reach the one year anniversary of the pandemic dip, do you think people will be selling stocks to enjoy profits from long term gains so they may pay less capital gains tax? So clearly there's been a lot of talk about taxes given where trading volumes have been over the past year. What I will say as it relates to, you know, the, this question, I don't think there will be tax selling. You know, I think there's a lot of great names that are bought, you know, in the early part of this pandemic that I think clients will hold and, uh, as they move forward. Okay. Uh, thank you. I think we have Josh back now. Uh, Josh, to you uh, again. Ryan Anthony, uh, one of two questions on Verizon today, says it's a so- the stock price is the same it was a year ago. Can you ask if it's still worth owning? What do you think? Well, I'm, I'm certainly not a seller. In fact, uh, it's a, a, almost a 5% uh, dividend yield. And what I do with Verizon is I own it in a tax-deferred account, and I allow that dividend to reinvest and buy more stock. So I think when you're talking about utilities or large-scale telecom providers, you always want to think about them in terms of total return. Um, so I think you're taking less risk than you are in most areas of the market. You're getting a higher than average yield. You're <clears> buying <throat> relatively cheap stocks. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this continue to compound. It'll have good years and bad years, but I'll keep buying more of it each time it pays out that dividend distribution. Okay. Uh, Stephanie Link, Zoetis from Dan Malley. What's happening with Zoetis? Oh, it's my favorite healthcare name. Animal Health is such a great secular long-term story. This is the best in breed, number one in the space, great pipeline, great innovation. This is one that I am, this is a hold for me. I'm not adding it up here, but it's, a, it's definitely a long-term hold for me. Okay. Oil prices are surging nearly 20% since the start of the year. The key levels the futures traders are watching, they're going to tell us they'll do it next. It's time for the futures outlook. Crude oil hitting its highest level in more than a year. 60 bucks a barrel within sight. Now let's bring in our traders, Bill Baruch, Brian Stutland. It's a hot topic for sure, Stutz. What do you think? Is it topping out or is it just getting started? Well, I, I think we'll see here with, with oil, but let's look at the picture here on, on where oil might be going to. And there really has been this push into hard assets right now. You're talking about Bitcoin. Earlier in the show, you talked about canopy growth, hot stocks, short squeezes going on. Interest rates are low. Inflation is ticking up. We saw PCE numbers. They're starting to get pretty hot, Scott. And now they could push up to two and a half, three percent year over year coming in here. So inflation is the key. We heard that from the Federal Reserve Kaplan saying, hey, watch out for inflation blips coming forward here. And so when you go into hard assets, oil could be one of those things. Now, oil has a couple of things working against it versus some of the other hard assets. But, yeah, it looks like 60 bucks is in the cards. Yeah. What do you think, Bill? Thanks, Judge. Oil has been in a downtrend since 2008. That's no secret. But last year, that was a capitulation defined by the volume. We've seen a huge tailwind higher. 
Now, I do think this inflation is showing up. We're seeing the policies in the White House also bring a tailwind. Right now, though, we are at some resistance. It's 60 bucks, so don't chase it. But I, I think there's a big downtrend since 2008 that we are about to break out above. And I think, too, you can look at this as being a pullback as a buying opportunity. The backwardation in the contracts mean the farther out months are trading lower. Look at December's trading closer to 54 bucks. Wait for a pullback. You can position farther out in the curve, and you can then ride what could be a breakout to seven-year highs. We could see this thing go to 100 bucks in the next nine to 18 months wow. if it breaks out. Wow, that'll have a big impact on a lot of stuff. Guys, thanks. Interesting conversation. We'll talk to you again soon. We'll do final trades after this quick break. We'll get to final trades in just a minute. I pulled up Disney. Uh, doc, stock hit all-time highs earlier. Uh, it's set to report earnings mm-hmm. on Thursday. You own calls. Now, we've discussed this with your brother about expectations being especially high given the move in the stock from 130 to north of 180. So what do you think? Yeah. And uh, Scott, just two weeks ago, it was 167 or 168, um, explodes to that new high, like you say, over 190. And we've been rolling up, rolling up, rolling up calls. Pete talked about it yesterday for those 190 calls. They bought them all the way up to the 202 strike, I think, Scott, yesterday. So I like it. Two days hence, we'll know if we're right or wrong, of course, because on Thursday after the bell, they're going to report. I still like the upside. I'm sticking with it, Scott. Yeah. You had a final trade for me, John? I do. Uh, International Game Tech, IGT. It's not just uh, slot machines, but certainly that's a big reopening play. It's also all about uh, lottery, and every state needs more revenue, Scott. I think these guys are going to be a big beneficiary of that. I bought those calls during the show. Okay, good stuff. Josh Brown? Thank you. Uh, Shaq, over the last five years, is now up 280%, beating Chipotle and Domino's. And I don't think most people are aware of how big of a winner it's been. Still only a $5 billion market cap. Very young company, very early story, staying long. And you keep adding to it. I think you said that earlier, right? Um, the, the meals, more so than the stock, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. Jason? DR Horton for me, uh, they had a really nice, strong quarter. Uh, home building revenue is up 47%. Okay. Uh, pre-tax income up 98%. Long, stay long here. Steph, I need a quick name. Carrier Global, by the dip. All right, guys, good to see everybody. Thanks for watching. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.